standard mouse. Good? Yeah, there we go. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for remembering the time change, showing up. <laughs> um, we're going to be continuing the Fruitful Discipleship Series, um, and our word this week is redeem. And I promise it will not be as depressing as my last sermon about how we should endure suffering. So that's what I'm shooting for. I know, right? <laughs> this one's a little bit more of a, not, not as much of a downer. So specifically in context, what we're redeeming, though, is our time. And we're redeeming our time for godly purposes. So let's jump right into God's Word, and we'll see what it says. Tonight, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. I forgot I'm running the slides, too. Oh, nope. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, we're talking about time, and how we as Christians should use it, and the heart of the matter is that time is a resource, and that's a resource that you can never get back. What I mean by that is once it's spent, there is no refunds, right? It's forever gone, and there have been all kinds throughout time of songs, of poems that convey this inexorable march of time. You know, we as a people are fascinated by it. There are all kinds of movies and TV shows about time travel or reversing time. You know, we get obsessed with it. There's like Back to the Future, there's Terminator, Star Trek, Quantum Leap, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, Avengers Endgame, Doctor Who. Okay, so it might not be culture. It might actually be me because I really like all those movies and TV shows. So it might just be me. But I don't think so. Um, because behind me you can see uh, this is a poem from Isaac Watts um, who in the 1700s, it was a hymn that he wrote where he said, time is like an ever-streaming or an ever-rolling stream, bears all its sons away, they fly, forgotten as a dream, dies at the opening day. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, be thou our guard while life shall last in our eternal home. There are books and seminars and self-help videos and YouTube videos, all kinds of things to make you more efficient with your time. How do we succeed with the time that we have? Even the 1700s, you know, Isaac Watt is saying, time is an ever-rolling stream. It bears all things away. How do we get through this? How do we survive? You know, and if you go for some more gothic literature, there's all kinds of stuff by Edgar Allan Poe about time slipping through your fingers, and that was kind of depressing. So I left that one out for this week um, <laughs> and, and went with the hymn writer instead. And it was interesting because recently Brett and I were going through a book about self-help stuff, typically on growth. Um, and a lot of what the book talked about was how to use your time to be successful. Now, Brett and I agreed in a lot of different places in this book, his definition of success was not necessarily the same one that we have as Christians, even though he's a Christian author. His sense of success was typically mow money, um, which is an American ideal, right? That we, success is I have a better job, I have a better house, I have more money. 
However, we as Christians know that that isn't our purpose. Our purpose isn't to spend our time solely for the acquisition of wealth. Financial success is not the meaning of our existence. So what is the Christian purpose? Well, that's what we're going to dig into a little bit tonight. To start this talk, we need to talk a little bit about scope. This was something that I talked a bit about last time when I talked about suffering, right? Does everybody remember how super upbeat that discussion was, right? Okay. Um, it's available on the podcast if you missed it and want to listen about how you should suffer. Um, what we need to remember when we talk about things that deal with time or specifically with God and how he views things is that we have such a small, finite amount of time compared to what God has and what he sees and what he interacts. That's what you can see behind me, right? God has this big old timeline going in both directions. He is, he will be, he was, all of those things throughout all of time. The French actually, in the Old Testament, use a word that I really like. Um, they, you know, typically where we have Lord, right, which is the Tetragrammaton, they use another word there called eternal, which, surprise, means is French for eternal. Um, <laughs> so translation wasn't too hard on that one. Or the eternal one. But what I really like about it is that it's a reminder of the timelessness of God that he has always existed, he will always exist, and he exists now. So we mean forever when we say eternity, an infinite amount of time, which is why the arrows on my slide behind me point in both directions, right? Not just one way. I am not an eternal being, which is why we only have one arrow going this way, because I have not always existed. Uh, I hope to always continue to exist through... A, you know, eternity with the Lord through my salvation, and that's God's plan for us. However, you can see the line for my life is much smaller, and actually it's probably something closer to this, and that's still not really to scale, um, but you get my point, right? God's time span, God's focus is so broad that we need to keep that in mind when we start talking about things like how do we use our time. Psalm 39 lays this out very clearly, uh, and it says, O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. All of mankind, all of history is but a mere breadth to God. At this point, I feel like everybody in the audience is probably doubting the fact that I said this was going to be an uplifting sermon. It was not going to be as depressing, right, as my last sermon on suffering. Am I just trying to point out the smallness of who we are? And part of it is true, but this is what makes our God great. Because it is true that we are so small compared to Him. These tiny lifetimes are so short, and they're not ignored by God. No, in fact, God wants a deep relationship with us, the tiny speck. So, when I think on eternity and the finite time that I have left in comparison to all of humanity, <laughs> man, I don't get beat down. I get super stoked, right? 
What a wonderful Father we have in God who sent His Son to die for me, the tiny speck here. So what do I do with that time? So, we're going to talk, and this is a big deal for us to understand, this issue of time, how do we spend it? You know, we know God loves us, so what does He want us to spend our time for? Why did He redeem us? When I picked this sermon, you know, I picked this after I picked the one on suffering, uh, and I figured this was going to be the easier sermon of the two to prepare, and (laughs) man, I didn't really think that through, because little did I know that when I picked up the topic of redeeming our time, uh, it focuses on what is the meaning of life. So, heavy topic, right? But what is the meaning? What is our purpose? What do we do with this time that God has given us? And I'm happy that I got it because I've been going through a series with our rock-solid students about worldviews. And what a worldview is is how you view and perceive everything around you and how they help to strengthen our faith and they prepare us to have resolve in the face of whatever question people have about our faith because we can always fall back on this solid foundation, or rock solid foundation. Ha ha, Okay. So there's four points to a worldview. Basically, what I mean by that is that there are four things that affect how we view everything. And that is origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Origin being how did we get here? Meaning being what should I do when I am here? What is the point? Three, morality, what is good and bad? And four, destiny, what happens when I die? So, I happened to actually have a bit uh, of an understanding about meaning and purpose in our life because I'd previously researched it and done a bunch of work for Rock Solid Lessons. So, while we dig into specific points tonight, I want to explain it super simply so you can always know the answer to the question, though. We as Christians should be able to answer this question, what is God's purpose for our life? God's purpose is for us to make disciples and to give Him glory through our actions or praises. That's it. That's the simplest way you can boil that down. And we're going to break those apart, so that's not the end of the sermon. Sorry, it's going to continue a little longer. But what we use with our time should be to make disciples and to give God glory. Matthew 28 tells us this in Scripture when it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the making disciples part. Everybody get that? Go and make disciples. Direct command from Jesus on what we should be doing. Right? Cool. Part number two, a good explanation here I found was in 1 Peter um, in chapter 2 where he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So we're called to declare praises to God, to give him glory of the things that he has done, of who he is. Now, you can get into more questions, a little bit more nitty-gritty on that, and we are going to break that down a little bit more tonight. But those two things are the foundation of the answer of every question about the meaning of life moving forward. 
If you get those two things down, you can always refer back to them. No matter how complex the question, the what about this, what about this, da 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 da. Those two things, if the question is about our purpose, should always fall back to those two points. Making disciples and giving God glory through our actions. So, I was trying to beat John's record from a couple weeks back for the longest intro ever before I got to my first introductory point. Uh, but I think he might still have me beat. I don't know. We'll, we'll go to the tapes afterward and find out. But... <laughs> Our point number one for tonight about a fruitful disciple is that a fruitful disciple is intentional with the time. I cannot repeat enough. We will not accidentally fall into using our time wisely. When people accomplish tasks and accomplish great things, it is not by accident. You must be intentional with your time. The key to changing anything important about yourself or accomplishing any task is by intentionally pursuing it, and that includes making disciples. It's important to remember here that we acknowledge that God is in control of salvation and His sovereignty can't be denied. So don't take that away. That's always true. However, He is in control and His plan will be accomplished. However, He allows us to participate in that plan which is why we are called to be intentional in sharing the gospel with others. He's invited us to participate. We are not a required portion to someone's salvation. He just says, hey, come on, check, on, check this out. Watch what I'm going to do. So we need to be intentional with our time. And this can be a struggle. I myself struggle with this. Social situations, man, they wear me out. It's just who I am. A great day for me is staying inside, streaming Netflix on end until I look like a picture behind me, right? Or maybe reading a book. But if that's all I ever did, I wouldn't have met my friends, I wouldn't have met my wife, I wouldn't know God as deeply as I do now by pushing myself in fellowship with others. Sure. God is gracious, and he gives us time to rest. And I'm by no means saying that we need to be busy all the time. So don't walk away from this feeling defeated like, I am not doing enough. If you leave feeling like that, come talk to me because you missed the point, right? The point is for us to be intentional and to use our time. You can intentionally rest. We were specifically talking about this because what I was teaching prior to coming up here in Rock Solid today, we were talking about the importance of the Sabbath. So, it is God's will for us also to rest, but not to be lazy. So there's the balance. So no, I'm not saying that you need to be, be busy every day, all day, all the time. I would lose my mind, and you probably would too. What I am saying is ask yourself, what are you doing with your time? Are we just letting it slip away? Are we being intentional in our mission to give God glory? Am I being intentional to rest so that way I can go and make disciples or give God glory through some other action by going to work or anything along those lines? The first step to redeeming our time is being intentional. So we all are called to intentional action. 
we aren't saved just to sit back and chill and watch Netflix until the end of time. Does that mean that my salvation is based on those works? No, is the answer. What it means is that we respond to God's love by wanting to do things that please Him. Works are a result of our salvation, not the cause of it. So, when I say that we want to redeem our time to do good things, to do what God has called us to do, I don't do that because if I don't, I lose my salvation. I do those things because I see what God has done for me and how he loves me, and I want to share that with others. And I want to do things that please him. You know, you think about this with any type of relationship that you have with anyone, right? With your wife or your children. You know, you want to do things that make them happy, right? You enjoy doing things, hopefully, that make your spouse or significant other or family member happy. You might not enjoy them all the time, but certainly you enjoy the aspect of making them happy. And that's just like what we have here with redeeming our time with discipleship. Sometimes it's hard. It's not always easy. So at this point, I want to point out a thing that happens all the time and is hilarious to me. When someone's going to say, I'm praying for you, right? I'm not discounting prayer at all. Prayer is very powerful stuff. But... God has also each given us different giftings and things that we can do to help others. You know, um, and you can see from the the picture behind me is, you know, the joke uh, of of Gondor calling for aid and saying, sending thoughts and prayers. So what I want us to call here to know is that prayer is important. We are called to pray, but we are also called to action. And we are called to intentional action. And in fact, James was calling out, you know, this nonsense in like AD 60. Right? In chapter 2 of James, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, it does not have, if it does not have works, is dead. Man, what a burn, man. <laughs> like, this, this is old, old school <laughs> insult here. You know, yeah, it's fine. I know you're helpless and you, can, you don't have any food and you're starving to death. It's fine. I'm going to pray for you. Go, go be, be well. Peace out. You know, James is calling out that type of thing. So it's very clear biblically as well that we must have action. Faith without works is dead. We are saved for a purpose. Your life has purpose. God wants you to grow in relationship with Him and to show others how to do the same. It's not, I have to do this or else. It's, I get to do this. If you enjoy, have a friend you enjoy hanging out with, you want other people to get to know that person. It's the same with God. But it won't happen just with good intentions. Action must follow. Point number three, a fruitful disciple should redeem their time to show glory to God. What does that look like, though? 
You know, the image behind me is from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, great, I love it. You know, Indy was talking to Short Round about the, the magical Shankara stones. Um, and he said, you know, what, what are they? And he said, they bring fortune and glory. But we never see this. In fact, if you've ever seen the movie, they kind of glow at one point and fall out of his bag into a river. You know, fortune and glory, I guess. Um, <laughs> and that's one of the things that I wanted to not do here. I don't want to be ambiguous in saying, give glory to God. It's very easy for us to say that phrase and for us to lose meaning on how do I actually apply that in my life daily. Like, what does it look like for me to give glory to God? So in Matthew chapter 5, um, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. First, what we can see from this verse is that Jesus clearly communicates that the goal of our lives should be visible, right? Let our light shine before others. But we need to behave in a way so that God gets the glory. So if I am not doing anything, I am not making use of my time, I cannot be a light to others. You see how this is starting to go? We need to be intentional, then we need to have action. Now we need to talk about why do we do the action. And we give that action so that God gets the glory, not me. And second, in order for God to get glory from the way that we live, we have to be engaged in those good deeds. Titus, says, in, in Titus chapter 2, he says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Are you zealous for good works? Do you enjoy going and doing things? Right? And again, don't leave here beat up. I don't want you at all to leave here and say, man, I'm really not doing enough. That's not the point. What I want you to do is to ask yourself these questions because it can be a delight to help people. It is a delight to share the Lord with those people. You know, one final observation here from Matthew number 5 is it's possible to be doing good things but not giving glory to God. So it's not just intentional actions, right? It's intentional actions that give glory to God. You see all kinds of philanthropists and benefactors and all kinds of people that do one thing for an, you know, one reason or another, who, who knows, where they try to alleviate suffering, but they don't give glory to God. In fact, they may be atheists. They may not believe in God. Does that mean that they're doing bad things? No, but that's not what we're called to do as Christians. As Christians, we know we are called to do those intentional actions and do those works, and then give the glory to God. Because that is our purpose. So number four, a fruitful disciple knows that their time should be in seeking the kingdom of God. Okay, you might be asking yourself, how is this different from doing intentional works to give God glory? Fair question, I get it. But Jesus explicitly commands us to seek first the kingdom of God. The point on being a fruitful disciple is on where your focus is. And this helps us with moving to intentional action. I heard somebody laugh. Somebody got the joke. It's, it's a Ford Focus on the screen. Um. <laughs> All right. Terrible joke. I'm sorry. I couldn't figure out anything better for this slide. <laughs> it's because it wasn't funny. The, <laughs> the reality... 
of this is that we are so often caught up in worldly concerns. And boy, do I struggle here too with anxiety and struggling things about the world. This tells us when we do intentional actions for God's glory, where our focus is, our focus is on the kingdom, then those other things come easy. If we are kingdom focused, then it is easier to do intentional actions that give God glory. And it becomes easier because we're just so blown away by him. What he's done for us, who he is. Our natural response is to be like, man, I can't believe what he's done for me. What can I do for him? We want to disciple others. We want to show them how awesome our God is. We want to live as examples to give God glory through our action. There's a recurring phrase in the New Testament that's also important here when we're talking about seeking the kingdom. And it's used a lot, especially around talking about seeking the kingdom of God. And it's a single word. It is repent. And why that is, is because we as fruitful disciples are called to repent our transgressions. We aren't perfect. We're all sinners. We've all failed. But we have a good, gracious God who allows us to repent when we do mess up. So as long as, again, we keep our focus on the kingdom, then we know what we're doing. We're doing intentional actions to give God glory when we make a mistake, which we are going to do. We can repent of our sins. And we have a merciful God who just says, I still love you. Your salvation is not based off of this. I love you. Try again. And you go. And that's the wonderful thing about the Christian faith, about being a disciple of the true God, is that, yes, we want to do intentional works. We do want to give God glory. We want to stay kingdom-focused, right? But those things aren't what we do to earn our salvation because we are not able to earn it. God is in control. God is sovereign in that regard. I don't want to undermine that at all. So number five, a fruitful disciple should redeem their time in knowledge and relationship with God. This one was tricky for me because this could be a whole sermon series by itself. Um, I love talking about learning more about God and knowledge and how that helps you grow you in relationships. So I'm going to try and keep it short. Um, <clears throat> how do we go and grow in relationship with God? And again, I don't mean in like a vague, you know, fortune and glory sense. I mean, practically, what can we do daily to grow in relationship with God? What can I do tomorrow, tonight, to go and improve my relationship with God? Well, there's a reason I deliberately listed out knowledge separately here, and it's because I believe it's so important to note that that's the first place that we should start. You cannot have a relationship with someone whom you know nothing about. So the first best step in growing your relationship with God is learning about Him, who He is. 
Having a relationship isn't just feeling happy when a person comes around or does something nice for you. That isn't a true relationship. That is fleeting, and ultimately, you find it lacking. Dig deeper. Get to know him. How do you do that? This is the practical part, right? Super complicated. I know. You get in the word. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, really, get in the Word. Get to know God through His Word. Study the hard parts. Don't just read the nice, fluffy stuff that makes you feel good. Go and read the challenging portions. I know there is stuff in the Old Testament that is challenging to read. There's a lot of laws. There's that entire book of numbers that has lots of numbers about census counts. Who boy. But you can learn things about God through all of Scripture. I really struggled with Job when I first came to my faith. Because I was like, man, this God guy, what a jerk. <coughs> Sorry. What did Job do to deserve these things? But that wasn't the point of the book. So, dig deeper. Get to know who God is. If it's confusing, ask questions. That's why we're called to fellowship is to help each other grow. I promise you are not going to be the first person to wonder what a verse means. We had an excellent example of this a couple months back now, I think. We were at Life Together, and one of the verses after the verse we were reading was about women in the church. And Grace asked, what does this mean? And it's one of the verses where it says, don't let women speak in church. And what? I did. I said, quiet, Grace. No, I did not. Um, not at all. No, no, no. I said, well, let's actually dig into that. Not now, because that wasn't the topic for life together. So then we followed that up in Rock Solid, and we had a discussion about what some of those verses were and what they meant. You know, and we talked about the different roles for men and women and what those looked like. And really, there's only one instance where that even becomes applicable, um, which, again, if you have questions about that, follow up with me after. I'm getting sidetracked. That's not the point of the sermon. We're not talking about egalitarianism versus complementarianism, all right? Um, fancy words for, for different roles for people in the church. <laughs> so, Dig deeper. Get to know God. Know who He is because you can grow in relationship. Have you ever had a relationship with somebody that you didn't communicate with? And so this is where point number two is. Get to know about them by getting to know God in the Word and talk to them through prayer. Talk to God in prayer. If you have had a relationship in the past where you did not communicate with someone, I promise you, you did not actually have a relationship. You were a stalker. Sorry. That's how it goes. That's not what we're called to do as Christians. Get to know God. Share who you are with Him. He knows but it's great to discuss those things too, to go deeper, and he'll reveal more of himself to you as well through his word and through prayer and what he wants you to do. And lastly, to grow in relationship with God, worship. And what I am not saying is this doesn't mean you have to go learn guitar, right, and sing campfire songs, which is good because I'm not musically talented at all, I would, I would be bad, right? But what I am saying is worship, or the origin of that word is 
is worship, meaning that you acknowledge God's worthiness, His holiness that sets Him apart. And you can do that through all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be song. It can be. You can just put on some jams too. You don't have to learn guitar to play it yourself. But just acknowledge how awesome God is, what He's done for you. That's worship. And you can do that daily. You can do that in every instance of what you're doing. You can do that when you roll up to Bojangles and get a biscuit, man. I am grateful for chicken biscuits. Right? Give glory to God. He's the creator of all things. It puts things in perspective, though, when you start thinking about it like that, because you're like, man, I'm really grateful for this biscuit. And then you're like, oh, that's kind of petty. Oh, well. You know, I'm still grateful for it. The, the key is, is that God, you want to be astounded by God. You acknowledge his worthiness. So, <clears throat> before I start coughing again, we're at the last point. Lastly, a fruitful disciple should redeem their time to show God's love. And why I left this one for last is because this is so very important when you are sharing the gospel, right? When you are making disciples, when you are giving glory to God, be doing that in a spirit of love. John 13 makes it super clear when Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. We are known, so if we want to be known as a fruitful disciple, Jesus says, not me, this is in the Bible, says that we need to do that by showing love. And we're called to that because He showed us love even when we didn't deserve it. So we need to show that love to people that don't deserve it too. So I'm not just saying love people that are nice to you. And I know this is a message that gets preached a lot about loving your enemies and what that looks like. The thing is, is you can show love by having empathy for people in different struggles that have different beliefs than you. Love isn't an emotion, it is an action. So when He say to love others as we have been loved, we have been loved to the point where Christ gave Himself on the cross to pay for our sins. God gave His only Son to do that. We are called to action. Intentional action. See how it's starting to come together? Intentional action that gives glory to God. Right? Loving action. You can feel affection, but you show love through action. And that should be always how we engage with others as fruitful disciples. And raising fruitful disciples is through the action of love. So when we're dealing with non-believers, we're dealing with believers, always come from that place. So, redeem your time. Be intentional. Respond to what God has done for you by doing things that please Him. Do those things for God's glory, not for yours. Stay kingdom-focused. Grow your knowledge of who He is to deepen your relationship with Him. And lastly, show others of the love that has been shown to you. Take back your time that's been floating away. Be intentional to use it to make disciples and use it to give God glory. Let's pray. Then you guys are coming back up, right? Cool. Lord, man,
you are good. And it's not just from the stuff that you've done, but by the literal definition of good. You're amazing. You've created everything. You've given us purpose and meaning. Help us to know how to use our time to pursue that purpose, to give you glory, to make more disciples, to get to know you better. It's so that way we can partake in some of the amazing things that you're doing. Not that we're needed to. Your goals will be accomplished either way. But we get to. God, help us be excited about this. Help help us keep that at the front of our minds as we go forward this week. In Jesus' name, amen.